Hey there, I'm Brian. And I'm David. And, and we, we are the Cloud Whisperers. All right, Brian. So this is our second episode. And I have to admit, I'm really excited about this episode because we have got, in the bowels of the catapult complex in San Antonio, the coolest, snazziest rig I've ever seen for a podcast. I actually found uh, some cheap stuff on Amazon. (laughs) This doesn't look cheap to me, man. I've got this, like, really cool, like, mechanical arm in front of me. And I've got, you called this one a pop filter? It's a pop filter. I've never seen a pop filter before. So so. we can test that out today and say pop. Pop. (laughs) And see if it shows up? Okay, all right. I'm not sure if this high-tech mic stand is going to fall on me <laughs> if, I, uh, yeah. if I touch it, so I'm just going to not touch yeah. it at all. I, I, I kept everything loose on the end there just for oh. that purpose. So. All right. <laughs> well, that that's pretty cool. I am so excited to be back now for our second episode. Uh, we had to we had to take a little hiatus to get yeah. some stuff put together. Work got in the way. Work, got work, in the way. work does occasionally get in the way. Uh, so what are we talking about today? We're talking about OneDrive. We're talking mm-hmm. about OneDrive administration in particular. Who is using it? Who's using OneDrive? I use OneDrive. I use OneDrive all the time. But what's amazing is when I go into customers, mm-hmm. they're hardly ever using it. Hmm. They hardly ever, I hardly ever see a customer that's using OneDrive for the, the ones that I've been involved in the last month. So I think about features like the preview feature and things like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's spectacular. The OCR recognition. The, the anywhere access. I anywhere mean, just access. very simply, version control, backup, anywhere access, all that stuff is really great. There's 200 different file types that they have now yeah. that they can preview. It's that really cool stuff. So nice. Yeah. I, I agree. It is it is it is a wonderful tool. And it, it pains me to the core that people aren't actually using it more. And you know what's interesting too is user voice is kind of one of those things that I always tell people to go out and voice their opinion, you know, put their feedback out there because Microsoft really does listen to that. And what's really interesting is on the OneDrive side of things, they really do listen to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, they literally mm-hmm. meet on that on a weekly basis. And they look at anything that has 100 votes or more, and hmm. they actually talk about, hey, we're going to implement it. Guess what feature actually came from user voice? I have no idea. What feature is that? Files on demand. Files on demand. Yeah. So, again, who's using it? Also, how do we admin? You know, what, what do we do as administrators to control those people that are using it? How do we put administrative uh, uh, boundaries around these people that are using well, it. Well, let me ask a question to you. And sure. In your experience, you said that you've been out to a lot of companies and they haven't been using OneDrive. Do you think that's because the company has not promoted OneDrive? And in fact, they have actively discouraged people from using OneDrive? Or do you think it's something different? I think it's a mixture. I think in some cases, it's customers don't want to store their files in the cloud. Okay. I mean, I think that's kind of the first way to look at it. And I really think the second is that they just don't know how to deploy it. They hmm. don't know how to deploy it effectively. They don't know how to handle the adoption side of it. They're worried about all the different configuration settings and everything that they have to put in place as an administrator. So I'm really anxious to, to hear what you have to say about you know the admin side of it and how okay. we can control these things. Sure. So first and foremost, what I'd like to know is where do I go? Where do I go to actually administer OneDrive? Well, that's a good question because there's not just one place you go to administer OneDrive unless it's PowerShell. And who wants to do that? Yeah. All right. Sorry, PowerShell listeners. I know we love we love PowerShell, but we know that if it's not in the GUI, it's probably not going to get set up. Yeah. 
So there's three places that we can actually go to administrate OneDrive. The, the primary location is the OneDrive Administration Center, which is onedrive.admin.com. So if you just go to your browser for your O365 tenant that you're logged into, and you type in onedrive.admin.com, you will come to the OneDrive Administration Center, and you'll be able to handle the vast majority of default settings for a OneDrive for your, for your organization. However, that's not the only place you need to be able to go. The second place that you're going to have to go for some settings is you've got to go to the SharePoint Administration Console and then go into the User Profiles section. And then there's a link, and I hate this name, it says Set Up My Sites. We haven't had My Sites since 2013. A long time. But they still call it set up my sites. And there's a few settings that you have to go in there to make sure that are configured to make your management of OneDrive better. And then, of course, the last place you're going to go is under certain circumstances, like let's say I need to get access to an employee's OneDrive okay. for whatever reason that happens to be. You know, maybe it's that they've managed to lock themselves out or they're looking for a folder and they can't find it sure. and they want me to come in and look at it and I'm an administrator, I'm a global admin, I can go into the, the O365 administration console and I can pick up that individual user and in that editing user area there's a link on there that will let me add myself as an admin to their OneDrive and then I can go out, administrate their OneDrive and then remove myself afterwards. Oh, nice. And I think that's the same place where you can go into and remove all the sessions or kill all the sessions for OneDrive in case there's malicious yes. activity or something like that. Yep, that, that's, that's a, and that's a good point. That's why you'd want to do that is to make sure that if yeah. somebody has hacked their password and is now trying to exfil data or something like that, that would be a place we would do that. All right, so what are some of the basic considerations around OneDrive and deploying OneDrive, administering OneDrive? As an admin, if you're looking at OneDrive and you're figuring out how am I going to deploy this to my company, there are five things that at a very high level that you're going to want to think about uh, before you really get started. Okay. okay, The first one is, you know, how much space am I going to grant to these people? Now, in the old days when it was on-premise, that space had to be in my SQL server. And so we tended to keep those quotas really, really tiny. But since this is all out in the cloud now, Microsoft defaults to a terabyte per that user. That is absolutely amazing to me. I, I, I'll admit, I haven't seen, I've seen one customer that I've seen now, that's just me, who's even gotten close to a terabyte. Yeah, and that was a system account they were dumping backups into. Right? When we're talking about OneDrive, we're talking about your personal drive, like your, your own drive, drive, right? And every, every licensed user that you have gets a terabyte by default. That's crazy. But if you want to, you can go into the OneDrive Administration Center and you can make it even bigger. If one terabyte isn't enough, you can up it to five terabytes if you want to. Who the heck has five terabytes of stuff yeah. they want to stick out there? I did have one client that wanted to make it smaller and they wanted to make it as small as possible because they were very concerned about people putting stuff in OneDrive. Like we were talking about earlier. Yep. Because and, they don't and, want to put uh, stuff out in the cloud. Yeah. And what we did with them was we discovered that the smallest you can set the increment down to is one gig. So if they have OneDrives, the smallest they're allowed to have is one gig. 
They can't go smaller than that. But they can go, actually, how big How big do you say that they can go? As big as they want now, right? Yeah, as big as they want. I mean, apparently it's just a support ticket you get over. Well, and, and you do pay for it over five terabytes. Yes, that's what I understand. If you have an E license, if you have a frontline license, you're going to pay a little earlier. But still, five terabytes. That's a lot of data. That's, that's, that's so much data. All right, so that's one. Another thing that you're going to concern yourself with is, and this is what you alluded to earlier, this concept of sharing settings. This one gets really big. People are very concerned about, hey, one of the powers of OneDrive is instead of me emailing a file to somebody, I simply share the file with them and the system sends them a link, thus allowing them to come in and, and, and open up the file from my location. This is much better than email because we're both working on the same document, uh, which solves a whole bunch of other business problems that we can talk about some other time. However, this concerns people because there's three kinds of links that you can create. The first kind of link is a link that says, here's where the document is, and if you have permissions to this document, I will let you have access. Okay, That's what they call specific people. And so what I've done is in my OneDrive, I've assigned individuals that I said can have access, either read or write to this document. And with that link, if you have that access, you can get in. The second kind of link is one where I can share it with anybody inside my organization. If I, if I create that kind of link, I could email or I am that link to you, and then you could give it to somebody else, or I could put it on my intranet, and anybody who has that link who's a member of Catapult Systems would then be able to get to that particular document. So that means that they're actually a user within the Office 365 Admin Center. Yes, they're a licensed Catapult user. That's right. I mean, they have a Catapult account. They can't be a guest user. Not that's a guest external. user. That's that, external. That's a different one, yes. Okay, got it. Then the third one is this concept of what Microsoft now calls a shareable link. It used to be called an anonymous, anonymous link. Anonymous link, yeah. But a shareable, it sounds better, it sounds safer, but a shareable link is, is useful if I need to be able to have a document that I need to be able to give to somebody who doesn't have a Microsoft account, for example, who's outside my organization. So somebody outside my organization wants to see my document. They aren't going to be, um, they, they, don't, they don't wanna, if I share with their email, they have to use that Microsoft link to authenticate into my organization. And maybe we don't, we don't allow that. Maybe it's a Gmail account or something like that. Yeah. In those kind of situations, what we're going to do is we're actually going to go ahead and uh, that's where an anonymous link makes sense. Now, it's important to note in the admin center that anonymous links have got a couple of features that are actually really cool. The first one is, or it's really only one, is I can set it up to auto expire. So the other kind of... So 30 minutes by default? or 30, what is it? 30, 30 days by default. 30 days by default. 30 days sorry, by default. 30, yeah. But what I can do is I can set those links up to automatically expire at a future date. Right. And that's really nice. Uh, th that perhaps that's one of the things that bothers people about the other kinds of links is that I could create a link and share it with somebody. And if I don't remember to get rid of that link, that person there. has that share forever kind of thing. So that's the second kind of link. And that gives us this idea of, of how we have to settle sharing. Now, one thing to remember that's very important about the sharing settings is your SharePoint tenant is the master control for your OneDrive tenant. So it's a tenant level. Right. If you go to your SharePoint site and turn off external sharing or you turn off anonymous sharing, then what will happen is OneDrive cannot be more permissive than exactly. SharePoint. Right. It can be more restrictive. It sets than the SharePoint. highest bar, right? Exactly. That makes sense. Yep. 
So that's the sharing. That's the sharing settings. And it's interesting with that the the shareable link. You know, people worry about that. You know, and, and being able to send it anywhere. So you can kind of consider it like almost like an email because I can forward that on to other people, right? Oh yeah. But they have to have that specific link. I mean, there, there's a key associated with that link, right? In order to get I, into. I it. can't tell you how many times I have had customers who come to me and said, "I don't want to turn on shareable links." Because I'm afraid that then people will just have access, the whole world will have access to this document. And my response usually is, do you let people email attachments? Yep. And they say, well, of course I do. I can't turn that off. And I go, it's What's not different. There's no fundamental difference between the two. And it doesn't take up any space in your mailbox. Exactly. And in fact, I would point out that you have more control over that shareable link yeah. than you do over the email attachment because I can set that shareable link to automatically expire or I can revoke it. And the minute I do that, that person who had that document doesn't have access to that document anymore. Now, they may have downloaded a copy. I can't stop that. But Well, know. there's also the notification settings too. So if I say I'm the owner of the document and you share an anonymous link externally, I'll get an email notification let me know that you shared that. And I can also go into OneDrive and I can look at the list view in OneDrive, yep. and I can see what files are actually shared. So well, you have this self-service user aspect of it. And, and from an administrative standpoint, anonymous links or shareable links are tracked in the audit center, which means that I can set up alerts and I can track that, which, yeah. which means that if I send an, a shareable link out to somebody and then somebody else accesses it, I'll know from a standpoint of an administrator. Whereas if I send an email attachment out to somebody and they forward it to somebody else, I have no way of knowing at that oh, point yeah, in time. Yeah. I understand, I, I feel the concern, I feel the fear around that, but we kind of have to get past that fear to a certain extent because we're already letting that information outside of our organization. Well, and then we have all the governance controls and everything in it too because yes. we're actually taking those users to the Office 365 interface uh, well, or the back end. And as we get into the next thing we'll talk about, and I'll tell you something that I've run across with a lot of, of organizations as well, one of the big things that's really cool about OneDrive is its ability for me to use the sync engine to pull copies of those files down to my laptop so that I can work when I'm disconnected, like on an airplane, right? Well, that's great until I turn off that syncing, right? And I've, I've worked with many organizations that have said, ooh, I don't want somebody syncing those files down to just any PC. They can walk out of my organization. And once again, I do understand that and I see that as an issue, right? So there are some controls we can put on syncing, right? We can turn it off, okay? Well, there's group policy too that we can There's, there's some group policy, yeah. but we can turn off syncing and make it to where nobody can sync. That's one option. Another option that we have that I think is actually pretty interesting is I can set it up to where only domain joined PCs can actually synchronize files. Okay? Yeah. And I find that to be a really powerful tool because now what I can do is I can say, hey, that's your work laptop. Yeah, you can bring stuff down on that. What about your home PC, they say? Well, maybe I don't want you working on that. Although, I would say, if you've got EMS, Azure AD Premium, Azure and you can do conditional access yep, conditional and access. device enrollment using Intune. I could allow people to take that home PC, join it to my, or enroll it, I should say, in my organization, and then use conditional access to allow them to have access to certain things through OneDrive on that PC. So I could allow them still to synchronize, but maybe not synchronize to that particular PC unless it's been enrolled 
unless it's got virus, unless it's got um, BitLocker turned on, those kinds of things. Well, and then you have the hybrid Azure domain join, which is the scenario where you're actually syncing the computer objects that are actually domain joined on-prem yep. to Azure AD. So now you can leverage those in conditional access. So that's one way you can kind of keep it down yeah. to the corporate device too. Well, which also gets into the whole compliance section where I can actually turn around and use DLP policies to prevent people from creating shareable links. Yep. So before I let you share based that Based on document, content, right? Based, based, on the, based on the content, based on sensitive information types that are inside of there, or now I actually also document the governance labels that are inside of O365. I can use those in my DLP policies as well. Yeah. So that's all That's all really cool stuff. Yeah, I really like the, the idea of the policy tips. You have these policy tips that you can use. But those same policy tips that are in Outlook now, you're seeing those in Word, Excel, and all these others. And, and, and not, just, and not just the desktop yeah. applications, on your mobile device. Yeah, it's so you really start awesome. typing in a social security number or something like that on your mobile device, and you get a policy tip there. I mean, it's just... This is really cool technology. Well, that's the, in front the of us. whole key there is making it transparent to the end user, right? Yeah, sure. So, from a synchronization standpoint, we can turn it off, which we don't want to do, but we have a lot of control over what we're where what we're you can sync to, sync, right. right? So, the next one that you need to really think about is what? How do we clean up OneDrive? So, let's say that we have an employee and they they depart the company, and they've got five terabytes of data sitting out in their OneDrive because we've given them that much data. Uh, what happens to that five terabytes of data? Well, by default, uh, that is going to be kept for 30 days. And after 30 days, that is going to be wiped out. Wiped out. Now, single mailbox. if their manager is in their AD profile, the, and we haven't turned off the setting in the user profiles and SharePoint admin controls called delegate control, delegate access control, then what will happen is as soon as that, that license is deactivated, the manager will be granted access into that OneDrive. And the idea is they've got 30 days to go out and curate all that data. And then they grab everything they need to grab out of it. And then it goes away. Now, the reality is who remembers to do that? Not very many people. Um, well, who has time to do that? Who too? has time to do it? It's true. Now, you can raise that number. I don't know how high. I've taken it to 300 days, and it was okay with that. Yeah. So I get almost a year before it goes out and gets rid of it. Uh, what, I would, what I would caution people on there is your managers have to know. So, so first off, it's got to be an AD, right? And not everybody has that. And secondly, your managers have to know that they, this is a requirement of them to do that. It yeah, needs to be part them. of that offboarding process. The other thing that you can do, and I, rec I actually recommend this as well, is in the SharePoint administration console, if you go to that um, user profile management set up by my sites, right, there's an option in there to set up a secondary site collection administrator by default whenever a one new OneDrive for business gets created. Okay. So if you already have a thousand users in your OneDrive, right, in your tenant, this is not going to help you very much. But if you're just starting out, if you go out and set that up, I recommend putting a global admin account into that that people have access to so that, that only IT does, right? Only IT has access to And they to can it. go yeah, in and say, if they need to, they can go in and log into that account and get into anybody's OneDrive. If you have, all, have got yourself in a situation where you've already got 1,000 or 10,000 OneDrives, 
This is where PowerShell comes to the rescue. Right. Yeah. You pull up all pull up all your OneDrives. You run the SharePoint commandlets, and you add a secondary cyclic administrator. So that's a place where where, where that's PowerShell that's can help you. Yep. Yep. And I've I've done that before. Uh, it's it's it. It's not the prettiest thing in the world, and it's not the fastest thing in the world, but having that secondary site collection administrator is very valuable. Uh, but there's a better way that you mentioned to me earlier. So why don't you tell me about that? Yeah, so if you go into the Office 365 Admin Center mm -hmm. under the Users, you can actually see their OneDrive settings under there, and there's an option in there where you can actually gain access to their OneDrive. That is awesome. Yeah. That makes that that would make administrators' job a lot easier. They don't have to pre-set up some of these things. That's right. Uh, they have removed themselves later, though, after they're done whatever they have to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I'll tell you, here's why you don't want to have yourself like that all the time. If you make yourself an administrator, somebody else's OneDrive, all of their OneDrive is going to show up in your search and in Delve. Yeah. And That's a good we point. don't really want that point. happening. Okay, unless they want us to have happening. So we need to remember that as IT people to remove ourselves afterwards. Got it. Okay? That makes sense. All right. So that, that was the last thing. So cleaning up, make sure that your people know that they have to do it. And then make sure that you, you've make got sure a way of, it, yeah. and make sure they're doing it because otherwise it's going to go away. And, and by the way, we've done this with a couple of times where somebody's left and 30 days wasn't enough. It only happens when you actually remove the license. So you can either leave the user licensed but that's expensive. It's 20 bucks a month, right? Yeah. Or, you know, you can always assign to them a SharePoint-only license or a sure. OneDrive-only license. And I think that OneDrive-only license is like 250 Yeah, 250 So you could, you could go ahead and do that if there's so much data in there they can't get it curated inside. And, and I think Microsoft frame. is also working on some retention type of licenses. Yep. I thought I heard rumblings of that. You know, so it'd be interesting to see what comes out with that. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah. So... That's kind of the the high level, and gosh, high level. I think we're like twenty five minutes into this thing now. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, it, it's we're complex. excited about this One, stuff. We like no, this. Stuff. OneDrive is a really cool tool. It's very inexpensive. It really empowers your users, and it grants them the ability to to store and get access to their data from any place, anywhere. And we don't have to worry about it from an IT standpoint any longer. Well, okay, that's good but we better understand how we administrate it. And we've touched on, you know, five high-level aspects of that, but that's not all. Yeah, we could go so much deeper. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that will be another podcast sometime. Maybe so. So that, that leads us to the part of our podcast that I like the best, right, which is the what is something cool that we've seen since the last podcast. Uh, and so for me, I'm a, my wife and I are huge Olympics fans. And so we've been watching the Olympics. We've been glued to the TV ever since the Olympics started. Just like with Rio, we're watching a lot more of this on our Fire TV. On the Fire TV. Than yeah. we are on the broadcast channel it, to an extent. What we found is, and, and these were, I heard these numbers and they just blew my mind. Every, the reason I bring this up is all of that Olympic streaming is happening through Azure Media Services. So it's all cloud-based. They're pushing all that video up to the cloud, Absolutely and then they're amazing. using. I mean, it's amazing. According to what uh, what uh, they said, the Rio Olympics they broadcast three. They, they broadcast three point three billion with a B minutes of live stream coverage that people consumed all over the world. So at the 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 Olympics in Pyeongchang in twenty eighteen, they are going to have a thousand hours of coverage over these two weeks 
which to me, and, and that, by the way, that's balanced against their 1,500 hours of coverage on all of the NBC broadcast and cable networks. So you think about that, they've got now, you know, almost half of their coverage is 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 now available to you as a streaming And it's content. constantly running. I mean, they're oh, constantly... And it's, and it's, I would say, as, as, as a connoisseur of the Olympics, <laughs> um, I really, it's all pool coverage. So they have the NBC broadcast as well, just like you could watch if you had it on, on, on normal TV. But when you go out and watch the, the individual uh, ceremonies or the individual events, you're actually seeing the pool coverage that everybody else in the world tends to see. We were watching, for example, the men's figure skating last night. Yeah. And when we were watching the replay, because we had missed Adam Rippon, and we wanted to see that. So we went back and watched it again, and you didn't get Johnny Ware and Tara Lipinski, which in and of itself is amazing. They are so funny. But yeah. instead, we had two people I had no idea who they were. And yes, they weren't as interesting, but I got to see something I wouldn't have gotten to see otherwise, which is really cool. Now, this year, we've been watching more over the digital antenna because the, the quality, signal quality of the digital antenna is coming through at a high def. And on our big television, it's, it just looks cleaner. Yeah, it looks cleaner. And, we're not, and yeah. I'm not fighting with the kids to stream to our house. <laughs> with all the so, devices. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're watching. My, my son's watching YouTube and he's watching Netflix at the same time while my daughter's up there doing this. And I'm like, how do you guys watch all that stuff at the same time? But that's that was my cool thing. A thousand hours of streaming. Rio was 3.3 billion minutes. I, I love it. What about you? Well, so, I mean, I, I have to go to just the customer experiences I've been having probably about the past three weeks. It's really just... It's, it's interesting to me how certain technologies, customers latch onto it and they don't know why they need it. They can't answer the question of why they need it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that technology case is ADFS, is uh, Active Directory Federation Services. It, at this point in time, I have to ask why. I have to ask the question why. So whenever a project comes across you know, my desk now and I'm getting into a pre-sales conversation with a customer or I even go into a project that's already underway, and that could be a... ADFS upgrade or in the statement of work, it actually says ADFS, we're going to deploy that. I just kind of switched that to authentication because there's so many other options that you have. And with Azure AD Premium, you actually have the capability of using pass-through authentication, uh, which is a new feature that actually GA'd, uh, I think, in October of last year. And then you were just mentioned password hash synchronization, which right. is also called password synchronization, which is a horrible way for Microsoft to name it. Sure, sure. It's not a password in the cloud. It's a hash of the hash, MD5 encrypted. So yeah. so let's talk about this pass-through authentication. Yeah. What's actually happening there? So pass-through authentication, think of it as ADFS in the cloud. And okay. you actually have agents that run, the first agent actually gets installed on the Azure AD Connect server, which is responsible for directory synchronization. That's how you extend your on-premises identities to Azure AD. Right. So the first agent gets installed there. And for redundancy, you can actually have multiple agents. So Azure AD is actually making a call back to make sure that you can be authenticated against your on-premises. But you don't have to set up a web proxy. You do not have to set up a web proxy. Those agents are are enabled whenever you enable pass-through authentication. You can install additional agents. Let's go ahead and wrap it up, and and I will tell people, you know, follow us on Twitter, at Cloud Whisperers. Whisperers. Yes. Um, I'm at DeBrusa. You're... I'm at at Get Cloud Savvy. Get Cloud Savvy. 
And, uh, you know, go out to our blogs, um, blogs.catapultsystems.com, and you can find us out there. Follow us on SoundCloud. Comment on there. Let us know what you like, don't like. Give us some feedback on what you want to hear for future episodes. Absolutely. Till next time. Till next time. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, David. Thanks, David.